so today we have many cloud providers and it's important to have a good cloud strategy and also it's good to standardize on the right tools. And why do we use Bash so much? Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talks with me, Matthias, Andre, and Julian. Today also with our guest, Henrik. Uh, so, so it's time for me to ask you a question here. You know, I'm, I'm the one that's always migrating stuff from different uh, services like OpenShift to Kubernetes, from on-prem to Google Cloud, from on, on Google Cloud to AWS, and then back on-prem. So it feels like I'm always uh, migrating stuff, and uh, I need some guidance or help from you how I can make the migrating between clouds and on-prems better. And to make it extra good, we invited our good friend Henrik here as well. Hello, Henrik. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank fine. you. For... So, so, what's up now? You you changed your job. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I changed my job. Um, so I've been a consultant for 14 years or something. Different yeah. kinds of consultants, but still consultant. Um, now I am not anymore. So now I have a regular job at a new bank, a startup bank. I don't know if it's a startup anymore, but uh, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, how, how many years can a startup be a startup? Is it like 10 or 20 years or should it go like, is it five years? You all have a scale up. So that's yeah. I think, uh, yeah. We are, I think we have 350 or 400 or something. I don't know. We are hiring so many people right now. It's crazy. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I work at Luna, and um, I work at in the um, platform team uh, together with some awesome people, and we are building a platform. That's nice, and I hope that maybe you can give me some help here, or like, uh, what, what should I think about when you build your uh, you, you build this platform, right? But uh, things can happen. Like it can come regulation or it can be other. I mean, business requirement can come up and you need to change cloud provider or you need to move from cloud provider uh, to on-prem, right? So, well, so just stop doing that. Stay with one <laughs> cloud provider and be happy. Okay, I'm going to tell you why. First, for example, we were at Google Cloud. I worked for a company that had car rental. And then they say, well, actually, Google is a competition here because they're making self-driving car. So you, you cannot have your stuff running uh, on a competition cloud here. So you need to go to AWS and stuff. Like, okay, then we moved to that one. And then some years ago, I, I was in AWS, and then this uh, regulation came up with the EU that you can't have sensitive data in there. So it's like, no, 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 you cannot. And I was done. And it's like, no, you need to go back. And Even now, in the European region? Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing. So that's why I'm migrating stuff. That's that's my thing, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm always migrating between clouds to on-prem, on-from-prem. On and it's always a lot to do. It gets simple. I mean, when I started, I used to, of course, cloud formations. And what's the one on GCP? Is it uh, cloud? Nice. connect. Yeah, it's something else, right? And then, of course, now in, in late, I'm doing more more Terraform for, for AWS. And then on-prem is also uh, more or less Terraform in, in that uh, bare metal. But, uh, yeah, th th that's where I am. Would you be interested in an interesting fact? Yeah, go ahead. That's why you're here, man. You're the expert. Tell me. Today, I, uh, I read... State of DevOps in Russia. Wow, they have their own? Uh, apparently they do. And I think that's the first year they did. And uh, I'd like to quote something from there for you because <laughs> it kind of boggled my mind a little bit. There are four big points. They also talk about uh, platform teams a lot and stuff. But there is uh, one big takeaway which basically says that Ansible lost the first place as a 
configuration management tool of choice to what you would think it is it lost the first place too uh, I, I i was thinking terraform here but now i'm getting really uh, worried here i can do combination of bash and powershell that's the future what? that's, that's the future. about to say bash. <laughs> what, what 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 those people are doing i mean those that, that's a, a result of survey of the real people bash, bash yeah. and bash. powershell that's bad for you don't do that. I mean, there are tools for managing <laughs> configuration. Use those. Even Ansible is not that bad comparing to Bash and PowerShell. Yeah, I, but... I have a confession to make. Yeah. I, I, I did that once. I wrote like way more Bash than I should have. Uh, I have to say that it, it actually was pretty nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was, it was working. It was simple. I had zero dependency. The, the IEM was not that hard to manage. The error message was a bit like uh, quirky sometimes. But, but uh, this is interesting. All right. this so, is... so what you are saying, mister, is that actually Russia is ahead of curve here. <laughs> and that's the new trend that we start to observe. That we should teach the Ansible that was a dead end and that all the Terraform stuff and just go ahead and roll with Bash because yeah, this yeah. is a pure way that will make all of all things. Yeah. No, they you, did, you know. did jump in evolution, and it's like Africa. They didn't go with telephone with wire; just jumped to like cell phone. It's the same in Russia. They didn't go Ansible, Terraform. They just jumped directly to, to Bash. But this is a good question because this is something I'm working on as well. Because one of the things you're always moving around is your uh, your pipeline, right? Yeah, and. Actually, by building uh, your pipeline with small bash, it's really simple to migrate to different tools, I realized. Because every tool out there always supports you running like a bash. It doesn't matter which one it is. If it's like GitHub Actions, of course, the old-fashioned Jenkins, GitLab, uh, the other one with T that's really hard to get started that runs inside the cluster. Tectron, 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 yeah, also wrong. So that's maybe the first thing to to stabilize online, a bash on pipeline. So we actually, yeah, yeah, JQ, yeah, JQ, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually funny because me and my colleague just talked about that. How messed up Jason Path is in kubectl when everybody it's, it's yeah. built in, but nobody uses it. Yeah, because, yeah nobody can figure it out. Exactly. No. And that's yeah. really the point of why, why I started that path, is that I was like so fed up. I'm sorry, it's going to get a bit emotional, <laughs> but it's like I would have gone violent on the people who built some APIs because it's like, how come you... It's like, I, I don't even have an example. It's It's, you know, it's like Java doc level of understanding. It's like you... This function does this. Yes, it's the name of the function. I can understand that. But how do I use it? What does it do? Am, am I, am, does my data, are my data going to be safe? Is, is this going to recreate stuff? And in the end, you just like want simplicity and you're willing to go so far as to, I just want to understand what I'm doing. And honestly, Bash and JQ was, it, it was not beautiful. <laughs> I'm not saying, I don't recommend that in any way. But it's like, I call it HDD. It's like hate-driven development. It's something you hate so much. You're willing to go that far as to uh, actually make it work. And you don't care about the rest. This, you know, it's, like, it's funny, but I'm sure nobody said, you know what? Bash sounds like a really good idea. People have no choice. You understand? People... It's like you know what, what we should be doing is we should build a package manager for Bash script. No, no, no. There's, there's already there. 20 of them. There's already 20 of them. I, I mean, this is a solved problem. And that's the nice thing about Bash. You have a question, you can it's type solved. it into Google, and it's solved. It, it's, it's insane. And you know what? Not only you have, like, you, you don't only have one answer. You have five and different ways to do it. And uh, most of them work. Some of them have some, you know, edge cases, 
that you you don't probably don't know about. But you know what? Ninety percent of the use cases are, are, are done. So yeah. yeah, we talk about standardization. You know what? I open anything. Bash is there. <laughs> Except Windows, of course. Like, I, I agree. I mean, like writing small automation in Bash is cool and fine, unless it's less than 100 lines or has a complex logic. As soon as you start to deal with data structures yeah, yeah. and yeah. logic, you should go to programming. Yeah. We actually, me and a former colleague, Jonas, uh, we created a, a piece of software for a, a company we call Pandora, uh, and we started with 1.0 in Bash, and we found out that when complexity grew, then first of all, dependencies on all sorts of things like JQ and YQ, which is a horrible piece of software mm -hmm. to install, and different <laughs> versions that has nothing to do with the others uh, use-wise, and, and all that stuff. And it was really hard to debug as well, and that's when we said, okay, let's start over 2.0, um, Golang. And that's what we did. And uh, But it was really fast to develop some proof of concept and see, yeah, this actually works. This solves a lot of problems yeah. in Bash and then do the yeah pivot. Can we come back to my, my question now to you, man? I have a question for uh, you. I, 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 <laughs> I have one thing to, clo to close the loop. I need to release it from the yeah, stack. Right. So, look, when we spoke about the CI portability, right, and the bash, it does make sense. But what you could also do is use a shiny piece of software called Docker, which promise was build once, run anywhere, right? And if you take all the logic of doing a particular step in UCI drop and just wrap it into the Docker container, very yeah. similar to what uh, GitLab Actions do today, yeah. right? Uh, wrap it in the Docker container, and then you can run that in pretty much any CI system. And your entry point will be some shell script that you have inside the container. And you just need to pass the parameters as environment variables. You can run anywhere. You can run Kubernetes, you can run the Jenkins, you can run it in Travis CI, whatever. So then the only dependency you've got is a pipeline thing. And yeah. then you need to be quite clever in the where you do a decoupling, right? So what logic comes into those scripts and what stays in the pipeline? And I would argue that pipeline should only have orchestration logic and deciding where to put things. And then the rest of the logic should sit inside those shell scripts. So yeah. yeah. So they're actually portable and usable. That's good. Yeah, I do exactly. I have this uh, uh, Docker image with all the tools and then around the bash script in that. And also super simple when I'm testing because I can just run it locally, right? It's just yeah. right? Yeah, unless you're on a Mac and you use set. Who, who, who uses Mac here? <laughs> Nobody uses Mac, right? No, I mean, we, we found out that <laughs> set minus I on a Mac mm. Yeah. Once two hyphens is called a hyphen, the single mm. quote. Mm. Yeah. Uh, single quotes. If if you don't add those, it, it won't work. And on mm. Linux, it doesn't want it. So oh. that's oh, why it's you, good. you just run the virtual machine on the Mac yeah. and have a Linux on there and yeah. use Mac for work. the rest. Yeah. Or you replace the <coughs> Mac one with the you know new one and you you're good to go. It's, so it's, you you type in uh, alias set equals Docker <laughs> run. <laughs> it's a whole whole life Problem. on the bank, right? Forced yeah. to use a Mac. Yeah, I'm using a Mac for the first time. Yeah. Still haven't found the backslash, but uh, you, ne you never I, do. You never do. It's not there. It's great that you can find it on the internet and then copy paste. I think it's some like Control <laughs> Shift Seven or. You always need to use three fingers on a Mac for some reason. I, I, I don't know I, why. I have it. Maybe it's a Danish keyboard have something to do with that it. That could do with it. You should get a Probably. Swedish keyboard. Uh, that's a fun fact because <laughs> I, I, I switch all of the, my, always my keyboard layout to US because, uh, because of those problems. I'm yeah. completely unable to use any other language than the English layout, which is, which is just shame if you ask me. And so I have like the, the uh, uh, shortcut to switch layout between languages when I have to write because all the accent and special letters of that are not uh, in the ASCII language right. are, are really hard to to find. 
No, but you know, if you press the button long enough, it will suggest you the options. Not always, and that's what I don't like. I like consistency. All right. I like consistency. (laughs) Okay, can I I ask you my question now? Please do. Yeah, please do. Uh, What should I think about when I want to run my uh, services? But uh, I need to be able to go to migrate to different cloud and on-premise and stuff, right? I need to be able to shift cloud or to move my uh, applications around. I I think, so first of all, I think we need to classify the different types of multi-cloud. Okay. You can have an account and then you're multi-cloud, right? Uh, you can log into two cloud providers and you can yeah. call yourself multi-cloud. Yeah. You can have different workloads running in different cloud providers and you are multi-cloud. Or you can have the Uber cloud or, you know, do like Uber and have things floating around dynamically and fluently. And that's slightly harder. Yeah. Here (laughs) I'm thinking uh, maybe two different cloud providers. Say that you're building today against AWS, but you want to be ready to migrate to Google or uh, on-prem. in a couple of months or something happens you want to be able to, to migrate and move around so you sometimes maybe not some things are hard to like not build into the cloud provider because some things are really just for the provider uh, but some things maybe i think you can extract from from the cloud provider uh, for example i am tools right that's really hard to uh, not force yourself in into the cloud provider but for example deploying stuff uh, it's, it's simple. I think it's even more simple now when, when you have uh, the Kubernetes platform, right? Because that's what I think I'm aiming for. But that's that's really an interesting point because you realize how, like, let's take a, um, the example of you have to migrate one microservices. What's the percentage yeah. of actual code versus all the little files of configuration files, of deployment files, of, you know, pipeline files that you have? Uh, and, and then you have all the tests and how to run the test. And then you probably have maybe some integration tests. And then you, you have some containers that you need to run or some dependency. And so you realize that the percentage of code is actually really small. And really what I, I'm, I'm thinking of exploring this idea more is to put everything in the code. You have one place, like yeah. one language one one way to do things. You use the language that you use. If it's Python, use Python. If it's Go, use Go. Whatever floats your boat, you know. And and so you, you have actually code is quite nice because there's there's a lot of tooling for that. You have no idea how many times I had a typo on, on the YAML file because you know there is no static checking. Yeah. You know the the time I spent debugging that and really like just pure suffering going through that because you don't do anything else. And then you realize it's not like it was a smart mistake or like a bug. It's just nothing checked out. Nothing was checking this thing. And so code is quite good for that, I would say. So I I, I don't want to give the answer too fast, but I would say like this idea of, uh, you know, abstracting away everything is kind of like an utopia. Like you're going to recreate your own cloud at that point, right? You create your own cloud and you abstract what compute. Um, And then, you know, we talk about multi-cloud, but how much does it cost to transfer one terabyte of data from one cloud to the other? When some people, they just look at the cost and then they say, oh, maybe it's better we leave it there because it's going to cost too much. And then you have the security. How do we secure that? Oh, that cloud uses a different security model. Oh, it's going to take two months to rewrite everything. Well, maybe we should just leave it there. And so multi-cloud, it's it's kind of like a nice idea. It's a nice concept. I'm sure yeah. some people can do it. And they have an army of developers just maintaining what the cloud provider already offer. Yeah. And, and, and this is where the strategy is part is important because basically it's going to mean a lot of money is going to be spent for zero extra feature, except that you can say you're multi-cloud. So the, the, the joke of, uh, yeah, stick to one cloud, it's more like if your service is already running on one cloud, just leave it there. If you need to use another cloud, maybe build on that new cloud and connect the, the two of them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't say like migrating. Migrating is really painful and it doesn't bring a lot of value yeah. in the end. 
I think in in our case, it's slightly different reason for us to be. So so we are we just formulated a multi cloud strategy, um, and the army is uh, five people. I think so small army. That's well enough, man. Um, I so have something we, to say about that, but go ahead. We, but we can still share a pizza, so I guess that's yeah. good. No. So um, the the reason why we are multi-cloud suddenly is because we bought another company, which happened to be running in Azure, or Azure, or however they pronounce it. Um, and now they need to call stuff in our cloud and right, vice versa, right? And then suddenly we have people in Copenhagen who thought Google was a good idea. So they they created an account and now they're running in Google. So now we have three cloud providers. So we we wanted a strategy going forward. So um, in NASA, the squad that I'm in, uh, we formulated a strategy on how we can do this. And um, one of the key components was LinkedIn where you can uh, mesh uh, across clusters. So you can create links and um, so that uh, in Azure they can call a service local to them, apparently, and then LinkedIn will transport it with um, certificates and everything, uh, TLS, uh, to our cluster and then call the, the right part. Uh, and that, that's how we've done it. And, and the other aspect is, I think it's a good idea to be able to run, uh, at least for a short period, um, all your stuff in two Kubernetes clusters. So you can do a failover, like a rolling update, basically, where you spin up a new one, run in both, and then close the other one. And we can, in AWS currently, go from one cluster to a new cluster uh, within an hour and have no downtime. And then you can start saying the new cluster does it have to run in in the same cloud provider? It it doesn't. And then you can see should I shift or should I go back? <laughs> and and we use um, what's it called external DNS and we created yeah. our own we created our own operator uh, two of them uh, so that we can give a cluster identity, and the other controller will then uh, shift or put in routing weights accordingly. So you can create a PR uh, about changing routing weights between the two clusters and we can shift it gradually. Uh, and external DNS works on all three uh, cloud providers. So, so far it's working really awesome. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the developer experience? Yes. So uh, I've only been at Luna for four months. So I'll try and depict it correctly. And I'm not even a developer. So, <laughs> but um, so at Luna, they spend a lot of time talking about domain driven design, which is, I find really interesting and learning a lot of stuff about. Um, and the thing is that you can basically take, uh, if, you, if you start from bare metal and then go up in the in the in the what do you call it the, the stack yeah the stack then at some point you will hit a bank domain you know it starts smelling of a bank right and right below there you cut it and then you say this is a platform because at nasa we don't really know or care that it's well we do care but we don't need to care that it's a bank we could sell our platform to someone else if we wanted to yeah. The developers don't even need to know that it's running in Kubernetes. Some of them might not even do it, the, the new people that we hire. So basically the, you abstract away a big chunk of all the underlying APIs yes. by creating so, your own API. Yes. So what they did was they created a open source CLI called Shuttle. So every project have a shuttle.yaml where the developers define what they need. And then we will carry that over to Kubernetes. But we could basically translate it to Nomad if we wanted to without them knowing it. So they don't need to know about ingresses or service meshes or routing or multi-TLS or hmm. anything. And it was actually funny because we, we bought a company and then 
they were to deploy a service into the Kubernetes cluster and they were told, uh, you know, multi uh, mutual TNS is, is good. So they actually implemented it in their service. <laughs> but they didn't need to because Linkerd does that for you, right? Yeah. So, so our developers, they don't need to know anything about that. That is you, taken care of. This is really nice, I think. It, yeah, yeah. I would say I have something because I've been using those kind of platform where, you know, you don't have to do much. I would say it's really nice as long as your use case is handled. Once you have to go out of that, yeah. you, you are in a wrestle match with the platform team that basically end up by you dealing with your own problems, especially, especially if you have like third-party software. I'm talking about open source. Let's say you want to um, run a third-party uh, open source project. That, that completely that model completely breaks down because you you have to bend that to the yeah, platform so, you use. So what they did was so, so the funny thing is Shuttle and Pandora that I talked about is a lot alike. So me and Jonas made something that really looks a lot like Shuttle, uh, but Shuttle is open source. So the great thing about Shuttle is that each step that you define in your Shuttle. So, so you, you basically say, I want to use a plan that is somewhere else. And we make that plan. So for Go services, there's a default plan. Any step of that plan, they can opt out of. They can say, ah, wait a minute, generate config. That step, I need to do something special that the plan can't do. So I'll just create that script myself in my repo under scripts and define it in shuttle that this one should be opt out or overridden. And so that, please go ahead, continue. Yeah. And that's how that most of our code uses one plan. Um, and when you do microservices, they mostly look alike. Um, the ones who actually opt out the most is ourselves because we are special cases with infrastructure stuff and, and all that. But most teams, or most services uses the, the Go plan that we do. And now we use... Um, Backstage, so you can actually just go to Backstage, say click new service, and then you have everything. Yeah. And Shuttle also um, creates your pipeline for you. Actually, every time you run it, you just say Shuttle uh, something pipeline something. I can't remember, and it'll actually do it. So, so the Jenkins job is one task: run Shuttle and Jenkins it'll actually do that. job. Oh, yeah, yeah you, that's the, I, yeah, yeah. that's the pain. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, yeah. But, yeah. But this is interesting because. Yeah. What I see is I, I kind of do the same thing, uh, but we're doing more on, uh, on on Jam and on Terraform, so they don't have that nice feature of Shuttle. But for me, anyone can add uh, resources to Terraform, and then we get that in the cloud, right? It doesn't have to be a platform guy to run that, right? You can commit code, and then it can run. The same with uh, uh, deployments into into the Kubernetes cluster. You can uh, create your own Jamal and then apply that as well uh, if you know how to create that yaml uh, how to apply yeah, it but the but whole idea with the platform so you don't need to yeah but of course we have template stuff that you can use and we, we help you with it but for me i don't really that into what they run inside their docker right you can run anything uh, and also the good part is is that you're making a standard right you're getting a standardization here a little bit as you said as well, you standardize in your tool, you get a pipeline, you have some standardizing tools, maybe how logs are treated, where the metrics and all that, meaning that uh, you get the standardization by tooling. By supplying great tools to the developers, they will start using them, meaning that uh, you as a, a company or a team will have a standard way of building and deploying applications. And when you move between teams, it's the same tools. So basically, yeah. the developers have two tools from us. They have a Shuttle, which is basically CI/CD, yeah. and then they have Ham, because the first chimp in space was called Ham. Yeah. So it's Ham CTL, um, not the meat. Um, and then uh, so Ham is used to release software to production. So that's basically what triggers GitOps. So you say. Once my CI/CD platform is done, it will actually build the YAML file and put it in an S3 bucket. And then Ham will look at this S3 bucket and you can say, I would like to release this 
thing in S3 to this environment. Bang. And then it goes out. Um, and you can do auto-releases and stuff, mm -hmm. and it'll notify you in Slack and all that. So they only need two tools, basically, to interact with the platform. And, um, yeah, it, it works quite nice. How, how hard couplings do you have between, like, uh, your repositories, your pipeline, and your uh, platform where you run stuff? Can you, like, so, can you change them? For example, you can replace... Git for bucket, Bitbucket, or Jenkins for Tektron. I mean, are those moving parts that you can? Uh, yeah, I around? think. Uh, I mean, they they have Jenkins. So so basically, everything that happens in Jenkins, you can do locally. Just shuttle yeah. test. You can oh, run yeah. multi -te unit test. You can run a spin up my service if you in shuttle have defined that you want to use a database or. Uh, a queue, RabbitMQ, or something like that, it'll also spin that up for you. And you'll have the, the everything you need to test your service. We don't do integration tests on one service. We have three environments, and when you get to production, it, it works usually because we trust the contract between the developers. Um, otherwise, it's not much of a contract. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean the the thing that that couple that decouples all of these things is shuttle, right? right? And shuttle is stable, and shuttle is a standard, just like a queue is for services. Shuttle yeah. is for developers and the platform, basically. I, I would be very happy to hear about uh, the experience of overriding one of the steps uh, <laughs> for your own, and how much documentation there is about. What, when you want to, you know, interact with an API there, because that's really, really the pain point of building your own tools is that it works, but basically the way it works is stuck into the head of people who build it. Uh, the the documentation is uh, sparse at, at best. Most of the time, it's wrong, plain wrong, or or in existence, and it, it's really, really hard to actually use the tool. And you end up by rewriting Bash with JQ and stuff. Mm. And uh, Julian, have you worked with some tool that you built on some company recently that you uh, hate or love more than anything else? Maybe some uh, time series database or something that you work with? Yeah, there, there yeah. is a lot of <laughs> there is a lot that can be said. I, I just want to uh, take a moment to appreciate how good the documentation of Kubernetes is. Like you want to know what the field is, it's there. You want example, it's there. You you want help, it's there. I mean, people can trust Kubernetes all they want, all day. It's still one of the best platform out there yeah. by far. I I, I use a, a lot of third party tools, and I would say nothing comes even close to Kubernetes and how much uh, you know it, how much the ecosystem has evolved around it. It's really the core of, of the infrastructure world these days. Yeah, so, so that's another thing. I mean, you have different cloud, but I see it now that I standardize my hosting on my platform on the Kubernetes platform and then build on top of that. Yeah. So I see that's the one that that are now an API Kubernetes API is now available on all cloud providers, right? You can always Actually, get one. Want to insert the world? Yeah. And um, I agree with what Julian is saying, that uh, platform and standardization is a good thing to go, but you should be also conscious regarding what stage of the company you are, right? <clears throat> because like, if you are a startup and you're just building and throwing stuff away, then it might be too early to think about a platform. When you're getting to some kind of stability, so you could say you found something that works, now you need to scale it up. Yeah. This is where the platform will play a really good role for you because you will create a lot of new repositories and you want to make sure that there is a, a structure and people who are moving from one team to another, they can still find things, understand how they work and be productive. So they don't need to learn everything from the scratch. But then, when you grow even bigger, at some point, platform might become an obstacle science. You know, it's evolved, hmm. it becomes more and more complex. Yeah. And as it evolves, it's becoming harder and harder to change. Yeah. Which, as 
with any legacy software product, right? It's just getting too complex to change. And at some point you have to start all over because it's just too much. And in some case it might hinder innovation. So you wanna go fast. Yeah, you, if, and if your use case, as Julian says, is fitting in, you go fast. But if you want to do something else, that's becoming complicated. And I'll give you an example that I had literally this week. So for one of the clients, we build a set of Jenkins uh, shared libraries. So they provide a shared pipeline, you build Go Golang application. Here's the pipeline. You don't need to put almost any parameters. And if your repository complies with the specification, it will just build everything fine and deploy where it's supposed to deploy it. You don't need to think about anything here. There is a similar pipeline for building Golang libraries, but the person needs to have additional file in a, in a package. So he needs not only Golang binary that is being built there, but he also needs a, a font file. Yeah. And he comes to us like, well, what do I do? Yeah. And there is a Docker, Dockerized step that builds everything and package that. And then we would have to change it to accommodate that case. And this is where the pushback from the platform team starts. Yeah. They're like, okay, can you can you fit your round thing into this square hole? Let's give it a push. Let's see if it fits. Uh, and what we ended up doing, it actually wasn't that bad in this case. So what we ended up doing is you basically took that file and we delivered as a Lambda layer. So we thought, well, you could just build a Lambda layer with that file and consume it from the Lambda layer and we'll be there. You don't need to modify the pipeline. But this is a type of the resistance you're going to face anytime you go out. And it's great if your tool is like super mega flexible, but still you cannot think about all possible use cases ahead. So there yeah. should be a balance, right? It's, as we say, everything in life. And you have to be conscious where, where you are and maybe not call your team a squad. That's yeah. I'm not thinking about anything that Hendrik said. I don't take anything. I don't take anything personally. Don't worry. But I, I, I really like this example, and I can, I can give you one that is probably a lot of people are gonna end up identify with. Is let's say you are on Kubernetes, and it, there is a feature of the platform that's missing. Let, let's say you were back like uh, four years ago. There was no cron job anything. Yeah. You, you build your own tool, right? Yeah. You build your own tool. And suddenly, Kubernetes ship with cron job. What do you do? Do you kill your project or do you migrate? Suddenly, you realize that Kubernetes keeps evolving, you know, years, years after years. Kubernetes yeah. keeps evolving and has more and more and robust feature, well-designed API. And your tool is lagging behind uh, you know, way behind everything. And then you have your developer that comes and complains, hey, I want to use that tool that Kubernetes has, yeah. you know, the platform that we're running. And yeah. so at that point, the migration step from going to that custom tool to the open source tool, it, it becomes like a, such a burden on the platform team that they actually barely get to do it. Or, or if they do, it's like a lot of work. And this is where the army of developer comes oh, in. Yeah, but you know what, so you could have like a transition, a life cycle of platform team being enablers, becoming an evil guardian, so basically as yeah. a platform team, you have to be very conscious that yeah, you, I mean, you yield a lot of power and you should keep being enabler and listen to the people and not just becoming those evil guardians as you can be. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, and I think it's a lot about not digging your own grave into one area too much. Uh, I, I think mean, you should... like standardize on, on the right tooling here, right? For example, uh, we talked a bit before of, of uh, Rec that uh, standardize on, on Ingress, right? The Kubernetes like standard API, right? Standardize on Ingress, uh, developer can deploy the Ingress, it's going to work. Yeah, and not going, for example, the Ingress route or some custom CRD tool setting up Ingress. Instead of standardizing on the Kubernetes standard, because then when your developer comes and says, oh, okay, I want to use Kong now instead, because that are this feature that we can use. It's not a problem. You can just replace your Ingress controller with the new one, and it should start working if you're standardizing on these tools, right? 
So uh, if one one team comes to you and say, I want to use another Ingress controller. Do you know what I say? I say, awesome, let's try it. That's what I say. Why are you even, as a developer, thinking about Ingress controllers? I mean, but sometimes they might want to have like benefits of the services. Like, for example, I don't want them to build their own login service, for example, right? Hmm. I don't want to build them like uh, authorizing uh, users. So instead, maybe they find this uh, gateway, or like Kong, for example, that can use this for them. So, okay, guess what? We can use Kong here. So then they might come to me and say, like, you know what? Uh, you don't want me to build uh, off service. And no, 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 we don't build off service. Okay, I find it's Kong here. Can we try that? And then I said, yeah, let's try it. And then we start with it in the cluster, but side by side what we have today. And then we see. It's not me as a platform guy who's going to decide what tools that runs in the cluster. It's the developer's needs that's going to control it, right? So then if more developer what, goes off the Kong, then we just replace that. And it's like, okay, now it's this one instead. What, what, what Henrik's team would say? But they were, yeah. What do you say? Team? If so, team. Oh, like the platform team. The team yeah, what, what would be your reply on that? Oh, you mean squad, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Spotify thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was confused for a while there. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but it, it's true uh, what uh, Andre said about uh, being an obstacle. So when you go from a squat to suicide squat, you should uh, yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, I mean, the developer. So so we have teams that mm-hmm. think about um, authorization and all that stuff, but it should not, hopefully, not depend that much on infrastructure software. I mean, we do have cert manager running and stuff, and that came out of a need. Um, but if one team suddenly come and say, oh, we want to change, I don't know, from cert manager to something else or whatever, they need a really good reason for it. Um, because it's logic that they... That's a blocking have. team. <coughs> That's yeah, a blocking team. No, no, yeah, no Henry's going to look at the API spec and then I take a decision. I, I, I heard that that bug, <laughs> that bug down the block, they use that tool. Maybe you should ask <laughs> But I think, so I think the problems that we face are not that much in the cluster because mm. people yeah. don't even need to know what an ingress controller is in our, in our squats. Um, to us, it's outside the cluster, and and this is where I might get unpopular here in this mm. crowd. But I, I, my feeling is that Terraform is the best of the tools that you shouldn't use. I mean, mm-hmm. we are so tired of it. We use Atlantis on top, and I've never written Atlantis apply and Atlantis plan so many times in a, in a commit. Um, so we're actually moving away when we can. So, so right now we're looking into cross-plane because mm. then you have a, a controller and a control loop, right? So Terraform is a shoot once and then hopefully... It'll yeah, stay I, th- I think way. Terraform was fixing the problem that we had in 2015, right? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. the problem was how do we call the cloud API? But now the consciousness, the collective consciousness moved to understanding that... We might don't want to drive that loop manually. We want to have infrastructure self-healing and yeah. complying yeah. with a state that we want it to be. And uh, I, I think Amazon will, will give us something similar to cross-plane eventually, like maybe mm-hmm. next year, year or two. I have no insights, but that would be very clever for them to do. Or like the Google Cloud, whoever, whoever is the smartest out there. I really like the config connector where it's uh, actually you declare your infrastructure as a Kubernetes object. So we have like yeah. a bucket uh, object and it goes and create it. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's quite nice. Uh, in case it works, you still need to know your way around Kubernetes and the cloud. But I, I would say that the, the, the rate of innovation of those tools are much, fer- much faster than any platform team I've seen. Uh, because it, it's it's not your main job at the end, you know. Like you 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 are you glue stuff together, you make sure they're reliable, 
building stuff is a, is a kind of another layer of abstraction that's like yeah. deeper. And, and so sometimes you, you cannot I, really I, yeah. reinvent the wheel all the time. And, and you know, I like to say like you know, co- code is a very costly uh, dependency. So the more code you write, the more you're gonna have to maintain it and upgrade it and secure it and and do that. And so the the, the total cost of ownership basically is is more an art form than a science. Uh, and I'm not sure that we really uh, that it, it's really hard. What I mean to say is it's really hard to know in advance if you're gonna be right or not. It's better to start knowing that you're gonna be wrong and change it later than than to say like yeah I know the way. Follow yeah. the path, and and you see the light at the end. Uh, that that's usually rarely rarely works. Yeah, that's uh, actually one of the things I think of when I decide what service to run in the platform. Right, this is good enough, right, for now. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be good enough forever. But right now, this looks good. Let's go for this one. But that also means that I'd be ready to change it. I think that's going to be for platform. That's going to be the the big obstacle when someone come in and say that the decisions you made may be wrong and now you're going to change it. That's when the old operations guy just like, what? I I, I really believe that it's... Uh, I, I predict, and that's uh, like based on what I've seen, it might be completely off. But now we start to see servers with 128 CPU. Uh, we're reaching like, uh, you know, the huge size of this. I, I bet you that some people they will have, they will evaluate the cost of having a big monolith running on one or two server in the basement, and they will say, "Wow, why do we even bother with the cloud? This is good enough for us. Uh, we we don't have that much traffic or that much. Uh, comp- we don't need that much complicated thing, yeah. and they will just deploy something bare metal on there, like this." Using bash, using bash, bash, bash. of course. It's like, <laughs> otherwise, you do it wrong, right? No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But you know, I'm pretty sure we're gonna hear those stories soon. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I have a feeling that this uh, scalability problem is mostly what people invent. Uh, you know, mm. it's like, oh, does it scale? Yeah. But do you need it to scale? Like, it can probably run on Raspberry Pi. Why do you even bother? Yeah. Um, so, solving the right problem is also like a skill. Uh, that is not often uh, practiced enough. You need to find the problem before you apply a solution. Oh, that's so well put. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to quote you on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my problem is that I usually use the example of a 3D printer. right? I would yeah. love to have a 3D printer, but the 3D printer is the solution and I haven't found the problem yet. Exactly. But now I actually ordered one, so I can't use that example anymore. <laughs> Which one? Yeah. yeah. But, but that's the difference yeah. between, you know, like real engineering and a hobby project. You know, you, yeah. you do that for fun. Yeah. And I think that if, if we treat uh, some of the infrastructure more like, uh, you know, an engineering problem rather than, hey, this is my pet project and I want to have fun with it, it, it solves like literally 90% of the, of, of the issue out there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Henrik. I, I really wanted VR VR headset in 2016. So, being decisive person, I bought it and sold it a year later. Like I wasn't using it. There was some content. Was was fun. I was playing some games, but StarCraft much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're gonna come back. I have a 3D printer and a VR headset here, so I'm playing with. <laughs> you way ahead of us. I'm way ahead, man. I'm way ahead. But but so so we are also migrating. Hopefully, the idea is to get away from cups. So we use mm. cups instead of Terraform. Yeah. Right. And um, it's the same basic problem that you run it, and then hopefully it'll stay that way. But is that also something that you can? Because uh, just so you're not using YKS, I guess. No, we're not using a managed. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to remove that, right, and replace Terraform with something else, right? Kind of simple without disturbing uh, the uh, the daily yeah. workflow, right? Yeah, I mean, the developers will define in shuttle.yaml that they need an yeah. S3 bucket or a bucket, right? Yeah. And then behind the scenes, we'll just call uh, or generate a CR, a custom yeah. resource for Crossplane. Yeah. Yeah. And the That's great that. thing, the great thing is that when it creates the bucket, the, it'll create a secret with the access, 
right? The username, password, yeah. and stuff. Mm. So we don't need to store that because next time we create it, it's new. Yeah. We don't mm. need to put it in Git like you shouldn't do, yeah. right? We don't need to do anything. It'll it'll just be ephemeral, basically. Yeah. Right. But that's one of the things like you need to always do. I mean, you need to roll your infrastructure services as well, right? You cannot stand still. Everything is yeah. should be loose the coupler and evolve so you can replace them, like your Git base, your, your pipeline. That's an important question. Why why aren't you using GKS? I'm not sure if that's the problem still, but I know the network model was really mm -hmm. weird. You couldn't have that many pods on a node that's because all. they used I real IPs. Yeah, they, they did all. fix that. Yeah, they fixed. Yeah, that they fixed was crazy that. in the beginning. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. with the trunk yeah. VPC, they solved that. Yeah. And you could also use a typical Kubernetes network. You don't have to use uh, AWS, AWS uh. VPC driver. No, but but then you kind of lost everything because you have this nice VPC and the pods got their IP in the VPC, and but you couldn't have like it was crazy like thirty two IPs per host. Yeah, so I, I think the big thing the that, that you might be missing out is a federated IAM login for yeah. pods. So if you replace it to ESA. yeah, so if you replace so it to Calico or something, then you can have a lot of IPs, but you miss that part to go directly. Yeah. Login. Yeah, so you could basically use a service account to authenticate into IAM and get yeah, yeah. like an instance profile for your pods. So your pods can assume yeah. roles directly and you don't and need to bother with uh, instance profiles for this, using tools. Yeah, and so this is like why one you're of the running. Biggest, I would say. Yeah, it's one of the big, and that's why you should run in EQS to get that integration with the, the cloud provided service. It's not just like yeah, I, the I, I think you it's get a, all the other things. Well, because other, otherwise you like that boring multi-cloud guy who is just using the basic patterns and missing out on all the features yeah, that yeah, the yeah, yeah. cloud provides you. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's actually interesting because um, so so you could say, let's say that you use RabbitMQ. Hmm. Let's say one of the cloud providers have a managed solution of that. Or it could be a database, right? RDS, yeah. and now they say, "Oh, you should use Aurora. It's much better, yeah, or whatever." Yeah. You should. And then, <laughs> and then suddenly, you need to be multi-cloud, right? And then yeah. that thing doesn't exist in the other cloud. So what do you do but there? I, I, and I, I, then, but I think the way you're doing mm -hmm. that is very sensible, since you're actually building workloads for a cloud, exactly yeah. as uh, as uh, Julian suggested. So. If you need to have access to that type of uh, service that exists only in that cloud, you build a service for that cloud and then you connect them on the network level. Yeah. And you use your TLS certificates and zero trust to make sure that there is no lateral movement between the clouds and unintended access, right? Yeah. Like, like console does it, like the Linkerd does that. I know uh, that Cilium can do that for you as well. They can also do the local quality of service. So you're exactly in the same way you would call the local service first. If that's not available, you would call the remote cluster. Console mm -hmm. does it a little bit differently, I would say. But uh, they're also building like uh, mm -hmm. zero trust networking solutions that you can mm -hmm. span across many clouds, Kubernetes cluster, mm -hmm. and even on-prem. But, but can you actually make that like layer between your application and, and the database or like the service, right? We're talking about here like adding a layer between uh, your application and then you have your Kubernetes and then you have your cloud provider. By adding like uh, some layer between your application and the uh, SQL server, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, that's yeah. really, I mean, in, in the 12-factor app, it says like you should treat every service as, as uh, and you the, the coupling you started on, but in reality, really hard, right? Yeah, I mean, the, that's the thing. The difference between... In, in theory, there is no difference between theory and practice, but in practice, there is. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. <laughs> like, let, let, let me give you an example. Even though you use something super standard, like let's say Postgres, yeah, you know, yeah. or, or MySQL, then mm -hmm. you're going to start using some feature uh, of that database. But those, those databases also have version and evolve and change over time. Like, what, yeah. what are you going to do? Do you really want to abstract everything? And so, yeah. no, the, the, the job of migrating things is, the, there is a reason why we have a job, I would say, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. it's because it takes too long to, to do that in advance. 
Yeah. Uh, that's why we have the CNCF as well. You know, it's like, okay, how many projects are actually uh, certified or, or graduated? You know, yeah. you have Kubernetes, Prometheus, and maybe a few others. That no, I, there are um, quite many, like Fluent D and so on, so on. There are quite many. They've been graduating like crazy. one every two months or so. I haven't followed that at all. So <laughs> I, I should probably get the list, but that's a safe bet. You know, yeah. if you want to build on something, build, build on that. It, it's quite quite uh, multi-crowd approved, I yeah. would say. But, but it doesn't only supply for that. I set up like a key cloak authentication service and that supports MySQL, right? But it didn't work when I used MySQL in a DB cluster because then I had multiple writes and I need to increase. So then I had to create the database first, right? So even though that uh, a service say they support an, an SQL server, it could be those use cases when it, when it doesn't. So... It's hard to make the service uh, only for one. I think for so, us, we, yeah. we try to see it as the, the, the standard is Postgres yeah. protocol. So one thing, so right now, so I think they started with Postgres in the cluster or something, and then they use RDS now at yeah. Luna. Um, but then if you go multi-cloud and want to run, take the next step and run the same workloads in different cloud providers, right? then you yeah. have the problem. So one option there could be something like CockroachDB, which is yeah. really awesome because yeah. it talks Postgres, the protocol. It do, I don't know if they support 100% of the Postgres, but I think they, they've done a lot of work on that. Should you look at Spanner and stuff, right? I and think. Cockroach, yeah. I, ca I can predict the future for you a little bit. Yeah. So you, you do all that clever multi-cloud thing. And then there, there, there is a sleek, smooth sales guy from AWS who came to talk to your CTO and gives him, I'm going to give you a huge credit. And all that goes to hell. Yeah. And now you're in AWS. And also like, oh, yeah, we, we, we've been doing our databases. We, we've been now doing RDS. You, you're going to grow up to Aurora. Just give it a time. <laughs> so, time is running up. Do you want to have some last uh, advice when you look for uh, setting up your uh, workloads on, on clusters or maybe to migrate? Or, or The strategy for multi-cloud is based on the fact that yeah. You need to negotiate with cloud provider to get huge discount and threaten them to move your work. Yeah, that's I have a, I have a clear that's, reason why you're doing that. It's about money. It's not about tech, uh, and and that's it. That, that's the end end point. I, yeah. Otherwise, it's a it's a big it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Andre, what do you have? Well, that is quite a lot. So I'm yeah. not sure what the title of this podcast will be. So. Nobody knows for now, right? Yeah, so that's something <laughs> to be decided. Uh, but, uh, well, be aware that you might be an enabler or evil gatekeeper as a platform team. So think of innovation, think of the business problems you are solving. Think of poor developers who are trying to do their job. And yeah, be an enabler and uh, roll with the punches because yeah, multi-cloud will come, will go. It all depends on the business decision after yeah. all, not so much on technology. So be a good guy, play play for the business and you will be a valued team player. Henrik? Yeah, so I'm, I'm like last time, I'm doing a new talk. Uh, about lean and uh, how that plays with uh, yeah. um, how do you say uh, what's it called uh, the way that we structure people uh, bum, bum, bum. Um, army army yeah uh, team topology right Ooh, uh, oh, and that's a nice and, word and the funny that's thing is yeah <laughs> so so the funny thing is I I, um, I got to think of if you if you take lean and the value stream and you don't have team topology but you have you know developers testers security people and ops mm. yeah. like in different teams and you have handovers and that's your value stream then basically lean says that the next step in the value stream you should consider as your customer 
Exactly. That means developers should treat operations as their customers, which is messed up. I think we all know that. It should be the other way around, yeah, right? Yeah. So when you do team topology and you have a platform team, I think one of the things I felt was that that was flipped upside down. So we, our customers, we do as a project or project, depending on where in the world you are. Um, so our customers are the developers. And basically, one of the most powerful things we have is that the developers have a choice. They can use our platform or they cannot. It's their choice. So we have competition and selection, right? Whereas if you go to a company where everybody is forced to use the IT department's thing, there's no competition. Yeah. They're not being pushed on that. So um, I think that's, and it plays into what Andre said, right? Be the good person, help yeah. people. Um, and yeah, I think that's for me. And then, of course, yeah. start with uh, Bash and JQ, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, right, of course. Right. <laughs> I, I like the freedom of, you know, you're free to use whatever you want. Yeah. But it's usually the choice is you can sleep in the bed or you can sleep on the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with Yannick. I think that as well. I would call it like a non-blocking platform, a platform that doesn't block developers. It's free to use, right? You can just use it and then it will, uh, the platform will enable uh, developers doing better stuff, right? And enabling this sense is like simple things like search manager and something else. I think it just works, right? But and, and like Julian said, that it should be a, a real choice. I mean, pointing a gun to a person and say, give me your money or, or I'll kill you. Yeah. It's not really a choice, right? No. I mean, it's it's not a free choice. Uh, so it should be a real choice yeah. that uh, that you can do this. Okay. I think with that, we will wrap this up. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. Yeah, thank you for being with us. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.